Thank you, God, that God, despite it all, we are more than victorious. That's what your word tells us. God, despite it all, we are more than an overcomer. We have overcoming victory in our lives. And we pray today that you would touch each and every one of our hearts and lives. God, I pray that you would show us all the need to get in a group and to be a part of a family and connection. And God, that we would do that today. God, we love you. We praise you. We adore you in the house. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, you're looking good. Come on, say Cavs. The Cavs better win tonight. Come on, who's a LeBron fan in the house? Any LeBron fans? No one cares about that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I love summer. I said I love summer. Uh, And I love what we get to do during the summer month. During the month of June every year, we come at you with random messages. We're not teaching a particular series, but we're just coming at you weekly with a message that we really believe that God has laid upon our heart. And I really believe that God has birthed something through this message in me that I just really want to bring to every one of you today. Because here's the title of our message today. Are you ready? Is good God? Is good God? There's a question there. Is good God? And I know that may seem strange, a strange title. But here as a pastor, here's something that I am concerned about. I am concerned about the vast amount of deception that we see around us today. Can you turn me down a little bit, Fred? That would be great because I'm going to get excited in a minute. (laughs) And here's the problem with a lot of the deception that we have today. Most of it falls under what we would call the column of good. I've had this conversation many times with my kids and other people. And the conversation goes something like this. Well, Dad, it's not bad. Well, Pastor, it's not really bad. But you see, here's the problem. Sorry, I meant to bring my whiteboard up here. If we had a whiteboard up here, we'd put a line down the middle, we'd put bad on one side, good on the other. That's the two columns that we think it has to be because if it's not bad, it's good. But the reality is this, just because something isn't bad doesn't automatically transfer it over to the good column. So really there has to be a third column, I believe, in our life and it has to be this bad, good and God. Bad, good and God. Because here's what I want you to realize today, not all good is God, but God is all good. Come on, let me say that one more time. Come on, not all good is God, but God is all good. And I want to take us on a journey today through what I call spiritual discernment. That we need to have a spiritual discernment in our life because what that really means is our ability to know what is truly God and therefore what is truly good for our lives. Because I think at times we can fall in the delusional state of calling what's right wrong and what's wrong right. (laughs) Does everyone even know the difference? Come on, it's either good or evil, right? No, wrong. In God's Word, which is our manual for living right and living godly, the Bible, not People magazine, not Facebook, but in God's Word... We read a story of a wealthy young leader who came to Jesus. And from what we can conclude from this young man's life is this. He was honest. 
He had great morals. He was faithful to his wife. He hadn't murdered anyone. That's good. He hadn't stolen. He hadn't lied. He hadn't cheated someone ever. He was respectful to his parents. He was a moral citizen. And most likely a poster child. Admired by many of that day. And he comes to Jesus and he calls Jesus this. Good teacher. Look at the story. Mark 10, 17 and 18. New Living Translation. And Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. And a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice Jesus' reply. Verse 18, Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. The New King James Version says, No one is good but one. And that one is God. Why would Jesus correct this? After all, if anyone was good, Jesus fit the bill. Do you know what I'm saying? He was the spotless one. He was the sinless one. He came and had to be that sacrifice for us. But here's why I believe Jesus corrected this. Because here's the reason I feel. Look at this. Good was the wrong standard of judgment. Good is still the wrong standard of judgment. And for this reason, man's standard of good is different for each person. There's a different standard of good. What you think is good, I may say, I I, I don't like that, or that's not good to me. I don't want to do that. Our standards are so different. So what have we done? As humanity, each one of us, therefore, we've now identified good according to our own interpretation, according to our own likes, dislikes, our own convictions, our own appetites, and our own desires. Can anyone see why we have a problem? Well, this is what I feel, and this is what I like, and this is what I want. So obviously it's on the good column, because it's not bad. Because I don't want anything bad for my life. So if it's not bad, it has to be good. Can we just have some spiritual talk right now? You know how in church we, we have this spiritual talk? Sometimes we have this Christianese language. You know, we talk in funny stuff. And some people say to me, well, pastor, I'm just not personally convicted about that. Come on, have you said that? I, I think you probably have. Because the last time I checked, you're probably the ones I'm getting my sermon material from, amen? Well, pastor, I'm just not convicted. Well, you know, I I can sit in those type of movies and I can listen to that type of music and I I can be around those things and and, and I can drink and, and I can carry on and I can do all these things because you know what? That's not a personal conviction that I have. Sorry. Can I apologize to every one of you? Because I didn't realize that we could have custom convictions made to suit our lifestyles. God's word is either God's word or it's not. Not depending upon my interpretation or my appetites or my desires. And that's the problem with religion. That's what religion does. But that's not relationship. That's not what Jesus came because... It's either good or it's not. And it's not ever good because of me. It's only ever good because of God. 
So we've got to be careful because my interpretation of good can be questionable. Unless it's God. Let's go back to the start, can we? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we find Adam and Eve. We find them in perfection. We find them in a complete paradise. I mean, we were in Destin and the sand there is so white and beautiful and the water is so clear. It's magnificent. And, and just imagine being in absolute paradise. That was the Garden of Eden. Everything they could possibly need. And they had everything except one thing. Life was good. I said life was good. But then Satan comes into that goodness. And he focuses their attention on that one thing that they don't have. And that's a whole other message. But notice what happens when Eve is swayed away. Genesis 3 verse 6. It says that when Eve saw that the tree was what? Good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And it was a tree to make one wise. She took of its fruit. And ate it. Please catch this. What caught her eye was that which was good, that which was pleasant, and that which was desirable. I want to say that again. What caught her eye was that which was good. Oh, that looks good. What appealed to her was, wow, that's pleasant to me. And wow, that looks good. Man, oh, I can already taste that already. That is desirable. I want, I want. I want. Notice what attracted her was the good. Good, but not God. Good, but not God. You see, God had instructed them and said, don't even touch it. Stay away from it. But God... It looks so good. How could something that looks so good be harmful to me? I mean, God, have you seen him? I mean, God, have you seen her? I mean, she is fine. She is the epitome of femininity. Come on. I mean, she is what? That's good, God. But have you heard about that job? There's great benefits. Oh my God, that would be so good for me and my family. We could get that second car that we need. Oh, it would be so good for us. Pastor, if you only understood what a great opportunity this is. It's maybe good, but it don't mean it's God. You see, because that's Satan's ploy. Listen to me today. That's his ploy. Because if it doesn't look good, you don't want it. If it doesn't look good, you're staying away from it. You're like, man, you can have that. I don't want that. Come on, you're going to pass the broccoli for the ice cream. You know what I'm talking about? You can have the broccoli. I'll take the ice cream. Satan knows that. Because Satan wants to appeal to our senses, to our struggles, And to our desires. Because he always goes after your weakest link. 
Satan knows what's your weakness. Satan knows how to get you. Oh, he can read my mind? No, he just reads your social media. Satan can't read your mind. He doesn't have to. He just has to hang around with you for five minutes and he hears your conversations to your friends. He hears your texting. He hears your posting. He sees all these kind of things. You see, what we've got to understand is this. Are you ready? God's standard of good is different to ours. His standard of what's right is different to ours. Here's a question for you. Are you ready? Would you say you're a good person? Or would you say you're a God person? And the reason why I say this was because just the other day, (laughs) I was talking to someone in recovery. And it reminded me so much of this rich man who came to Jesus because Jesus said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to keep all the laws and do everything. And this rich man said, I've done all these things. I, I think I'm a good person. But Jesus said, there's still one thing you lack. And so many times in our life, we can look at the good that we're doing. Well, I'm I'm serving on a dream team. I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm staying away from bad stuff. So automatically, it's good, 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 good. We've got to be very careful. And as I talked to this person in recovery, he told me about how they describe faith in three levels. And the three levels that they present it is this. True faith, agnostic, or atheist. True faith, a believer, living for God. Agnostic, knowing enough that there's a God but not living for Him. An atheist rejecting that there is a God. And this young man told me that he was in a group session. And he was in a detox center. And the counselor looked at him and said, so which one are you? He said, I'm a true believer. And the counselor looked at him You're a true believer. Yeah, I'm a true believer. He said to him, then why are you here? He said, you ain't a true believer. You're an agnostic. He said, because the last time I checked, Mother Teresa never checked into a rehab clinic. You know what that young man said? It rocked his whole life because he thought he was saved, living for God, serving God, doing everything he could. But he realized he had a knowledge of God, but he wasn't truly giving everything of his life to God. And it rocked his world. Just because we're not these bad people, just because we're not doing bad things, most of us are still deceived by and drawn into behavior and things that seem to be right, good, and wise. But it's not godly wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way. Come on, say it with me. A way. A way. Come on, say it with me. A way. a way. There is a way that seems right to man. It's good. It's good for me. I like it. It fits my appetites, desires. It's pleasing to me. I like what it looks like. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to eat it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way. Say the way. The way. Of death. There's a way and there's the way. And let me break it down for you. I want to start at the last and then we'll finish with the beginning. What's the last part of that verse? It says, but its end is the way of death. It's amazing how many of us as Christians, if we would call ourselves that, we don't consider that last part to be about us. Because for what reason? I'm saved. I'm heading to heaven. 
I'm following Christ. So that's a statement for non-believers, which actually is not true. The way of death. You see, in the Word of God, frequently we actually see these words or terms being used. The way of life and the way of death. We read that in the Word of God. There is a way of life and there's a way of death. Jeremiah 21 verse 8 is an example. Thus says the Lord, before I set before you the way of life and the way of death. That word way means this, the wisdom that we live by. The wisdom that we live by. So it's either the way of life, wisdom that will lead us to life, or it's either the way, the wisdom of death. I've heard it said this way when it comes to knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. A lot of people wonder what the difference is. Are you ready? Knowledge is what? Understanding is why, but wisdom is how. Let me say that one more time. Knowledge is what? We know these things. We have knowledge of what that is. Then we have an understanding of what that does, so why that happens and takes place. But then wisdom is when we take that knowledge and that understanding and we put it to work. That's the how. That's the action of each and every one of our lives. That same word way is what we read of in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. What you've got to realize is in this passage, Jesus isn't just speaking of eternity here. He's not just speaking about a way that we're going to get to heaven one day. Jesus is speaking about our everyday life, the way we act and live, the choices and the decisions we make each and every day, the wisdom that we are living our life by or the lack of wisdom we are living our lives daily by. Back to the garden. There was a tree of knowledge and good and evil. But you know what? There was another tree in the garden. Another tree in the center of the garden was called the tree of life. After man fell, they had to be guarded from that because in their fallen sinful state, they could not eat of that fruit. Why? Because if they would have, they would have lived that way for the rest of their life. You see, these two trees represent two very separate things in our life. The tree of the way of life represents the wisdom of God for our life. And notice when Satan tempted Eve, he didn't take her to the wisdom of God because if she went to the wisdom of God, she would have seen with her eyes, no matter how good it looks, that's not God's plan for my life. But he didn't take her in the way of wisdom. He took her to the knowledge of good and evil, which represents a spiritual death and dying of mankind. And that stood for this, wisdom apart from God. I'll do it my way, what I want, how I want. Can you see the sin nature of God or man versus the plan of the wisdom and life that God has? And think about this. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge and of good and of evil, it didn't just affect their afterlife. 
it affected them immediately. Before, what's the picture? You ready? Before, they were healthy, they were perfect, they were successful, they had everything they wanted. But afterwards, life became hard. Sickness came upon them. They now had stress in their life. They now had to toil to produce something and fruits from the ground. There was difficulty. Why? Because man had entered through the pathway of good into a way of death for their life. Is it good or is it God? And I fear today that many of us are still being deceived by the good that's taken us along the wrong pathway. However, I'm so thankful in the garden, God gave a promise. And it wasn't just a shallow promise. It was a great promise. Because He said, listen serpent, you may bruise their heel, but they're going to crush your head. What was He speaking about? He was speaking about the sacrifice, His perfect Son, that He would give for each and every one of us. What? Even in their fallen state of being deceived, God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And God's plan and purpose is always and has always been to recover that which was lost. And you know why it was lost? Because we surrendered it and we gave it up. Come on, the devil didn't make us do that. No one else made us do that. We did it. We were the ones that chose. We were the ones that did. We were the ones that went. Oh, we maybe had a strong influence and that's why you've got to watch the people you're around. But God made a covenant with mankind in that garden. And He said to them, I am going to restore life. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But why did He come? He said, I've come to give you life. So you can have wisdom in your life again. You can live godly again and pleasing to God. Come on, He came to restore life. What only His wisdom once again could produce in your life. God said, I want to bring back happiness. I want to bring back pleasant living. I want there to be peace. I want there to be abundance. God says there's benefits that I have for living. Come on, you know what it's like. The life that you lived before and the life that you now live in God. Tell me how great and the difference is. Oh, you thought you were living the high life and then you were depressed and you were miserable and you were broke and you were sick and your friends walked out on you. But you were deceived because it was good. I said, it's good. It's good. Proverbs 3, 13, 18. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Say with me, the way. The way, way, God. Happy is the man who finds God's way. Not just what is good, but that which is wisdom, that which is pleasing to God. And the man who through that gains understandings, for her proceeds, that's wisdom. For wisdom's proceeds are better than any profit of silver, and her gain is better than any gold that you could ever have. For she, that's wisdom, is more precious than rubies and all the things that you can desire, and nothing can even compare to wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are ways of peace. She is what? The tree of... 
She is the tree of life. Remember in the garden, she's God's way for us. To all those who will take hold of her. And happy are all those who retain her. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Not just good, but God. God's way. I like that. That's, that's the life that I want to live. I said, that's the life I want to live. Oh, if you don't want to say amen to that, then I'll take that past. I'll take your portion too. I said, that's the life that I want to live. That's the life God wants us to live. A life of wisdom. According to God's wisdom. Living His way, not just a good way. And living His way is the best way. It's fruitful living. It's productive. It's success. It's a long life. It's peace of mind. It's honor. And that's a whole lot different to James 1 verse 8. Because James 1 verse 8 says a double-minded man. Don't understand why my finances aren't doing good. Don't understand why my relationship's falling apart. Don't understand why I lost my job. Don't understand why. Because a double-minded man. It's going to have instability in every area of your life. You see, that's James 1 verse 8. But you know what James 1 verse 5 says? I don't have it on the screen. But it says, anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And God gives liberally and without reproach. God doesn't judge us for the wrong that we've done. But He says, man, you need it, so here you go. He gives it to you liberally because He knows that we need wisdom in our lives. Back to Proverbs 14, 12. You thought I forgot. The first part, man. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. There is a way that seems right to man. Come on, this is for the Christian and the non-believer. It seems right. It's good. It's wise. It's beneficial. It's strategic. It's acceptable. It's profitable. I like it. I want it. Yet the warning is very clear. What seems good may actually be the actual opposite. It's the way of death. Because why? Discernment is key. Say with me discernment. We've got to have discernment in our life. We've got to know and determine what truly is good and what is truly evil. I believe God has given inside of us His Holy Spirit. You can call it your conscience. You can call it Jiminy Cricket if you're Pinocchio. You can call it whatever you want. But God, I believe, has given every one of us an inner voice. That if we would just listen long enough, we would hear the steering, directing voice of God, the discernment of God inside of our life. And why do we need that? Because again, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it needs to be repeated. Because what truly good is, is not always clear and natural to our thinking, our reasoning and our Senses. How do I know this? Hebrews 5, 11 and 12. Paul writes this to the people of Hebrews. He said, there is so much more I would love to say about this. The this he's talking about is spiritual growth. The growth that I want you to have spiritually. There's so much more that I could say. But look what he says. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritual dull and you just don't listen. You just don't listen. Look what he goes on to say. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. 
But instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. Come on, he says, you need someone to teach you again. You should be teaching other people, but you've become spiritually dull. Jump to verse 14. He says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize and to discern between what? Good and evil. Paul writes and says, listen, I'm afraid I'm hearing some alarming things. I hear spiritually you've become dull, that you're not hearing right. What was he referring to? What hearing was he referring to? Here it is. Are you ready? He was referring to their ability to hear their hearts, to hear that inner voice, the wisdom of God that wanted to speak over the appetites and the desires of their life. Jesus said it this way. He said it in Matthew 11, verse 15. He says it many times to people. He said, he who has ears. Come on, touch your ears. Every one of us has got ears. So every one of us obviously needs to hear. But Jesus was talking more than just about physical ears. Jesus was talking about we need to have a discerning heart. A heart for God. And here's why. Good and evil cannot always be seen on the surface. Man, I could preach this part of the message for weeks. Samuel goes to anoint the next king. Jesse puts all his boys, oldest to the youngest, Eliab, down. Samuel's left, I mean, David's left in the field. He's forgotten. He's not the one. Samuel goes to the oldest, Eliab. What does he say? He looks good. He's got to be the one. Come on, 1 Samuel 16. Read it when you get home. He goes to pour the oil. You see, what would happen is the priest had a horn of oil. And what they would do is they would hold it up. And if that was God's choice, the oil would flow. Samuel's holding it over Eli's head. And he's probably shaking it. He's probably brought it down, had a look. Shaking it. Why? Because he looks good. But you know what God said to him? Don't look and see what man sees. Because it may look good, but God says, I'm interested in the heart. What's going on in the inside? Come on, uh, uh, this is not on my notes and I don't want to preach this because I don't have time. But we've got to be very careful because we say so. Well, they've got a good heart. No, they don't have a good heart because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So it doesn't matter what good they're doing if they're not living good. They don't have a good heart. They have an evil heart, a heart that's away from God. So don't call what's good. Good if it's not God. Solomon prayed, 1 Kings 3, 9. Give me an understanding heart. God, I can govern your people well. For what reason? So I can know the difference between that which is right and wrong. Give me a discerning heart, God. Because I need to lead. I need to live and know what's right and what's wrong. Come on, you and I, here's what we need to pray. God, you need to give me an enlightened heart. We've got to train our hearts to identify what God calls good and what God calls evil. So really what discernment is, it's the ability to know what's right and what's wrong. 
Come on, it's not just the bad, oh, it's now in the good. We've got to know what's in the God column for our lives. So how do I develop my spiritual discernment? That's really probably what you're asking, and I pray that's what you're asking. How do I have godly wisdom in my life? How do I get this so I quit mixing up good and evil, especially when deception is rampant all around me? Here's the answer. You ready? Proverbs 9.10. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you want wisdom, we've got to start at the beginning. The beginning is we've got to have a godly fear again. We have lost in the church godly fear. Because if we had godly fear, we wouldn't do half the things that we do. We wouldn't say half the things. Why? Because we would be so afraid... Look at this. Here's what godly fear is. Are you ready? It's not being afraid of. Like he's a monster. If you're you're afraid of something like that, you're going to pull away. God doesn't want you to pull away. He wants you to come in close. So godly fear is not the fear of something. But it's being afraid too. What do I mean by that? Afraid to hurt God. Afraid to displease God. Afraid to not be what God has called me to be. To live my life contrary. Come on, I'm not afraid of God. I'm afraid to displease God in my life. And that's what godly fear is. Solomon, again, in 1 Kings 3.9, he says, Give your servant, I need a discerning heart. That I might discern between good and evil. And man, did God give him that. Solomon was known as the wisest king who ever lived. But listen to me. Did you know he died a fool? I said, did you know he died a fool? What happened? What happened? He lost his fear of God. And that's why if you read in Ecclesiastes that he writes... His whole thought in Ecclesiastes really is this. It's all vanity. And it's all grasping at the wind. That's what Solomon said. I had it all, but yet having it all, it got a hold of me. And I lost my focus on God. And now things and people and positions and fame and fortune became more of an attraction to me. And now I realize it's all vanity and and I can't ever grasp enough. When's enough friends? When's enough stuff? When's all this? It's just like grasping at the wind. And that's a tendency that we all have. You see, because here's the process of our life. Are you ready in a nutshell? We're on our face. We're on our knees. We're seeking God. We're crying out because we need direction for our life. God, I I need direction for my life. My life is broken. Oh, God, I need to know what next step. But that's the beginning process. And then what? What? We get established. God comes through. God gives us that job. God heals us. God touches us. And we have that blessing. We have that moment of thank you, Jesus. You remember that time? That thank you, Jesus time. But then if we don't watch, we can go to the next phase. And we can start pursuing and chasing after and focusing on the wrong things. We can go after position and possession and selfish desires and motives. I can't tell you the amount of people I've seen that God's blessed, that's taken that blessing and it's become a curse over their life. I said it's become a curse over their life. Listen to me, it's not that God doesn't want you to have those things. You just got to have them in proper order. 
The first commandment he gives is you can have other gods, but you just can't have them before me. God says you can have that sports car and you can have that nice thing, but it ain't coming in my place. It's not going to keep you from church. It's not going to keep you from where you, oh, I can't pay my tithes because I've got a car now. That's not wisdom. And that's not life. Look at this statement. The fear of God keeps our lives in proper order and our hearts in tune to Him. And everything around us fights against that. I said everything around us is striving for our attention and our desires and and wants our attention and everything is fighting against that, but that's what we need. God, I need your wisdom. I need the fear of God in my life to keep me in proper order and my heart in tune with you. Here's a great question to ask yourself every day. You ready? Am I motivated today by the fear of God or by obtaining abundance? Every decision I'm making today, is it a decision that I want to be pleasing to you? Or is it something that's going to give me a pay raise? Is it something that's going to appeal to my desires? And I'm telling you right now, if you ask that question every day, and you listen to the right answer every day, you won't be steered wrong in your life. Because when you target godly fear in your life, it will protect you from deception and engaging in evil, the wrong good that we think is God. Listen to me. Don't choose good over God. I'm almost done today. Is this okay? You with me? Just quickly, give me five more minutes. Who will give me five more minutes? You're scared, aren't you? Because you know what that means. Obedience is the outward evidence of the true fear of the Lord. How do I know if I'm living in the fear of God? You'll be obedient. You'll be obedient. <laughs> and how will that obedience look? Can I give you five ways that that obedience is going to look? And this, and this is on you version. You need to get you version because there's so much. I see some people taking pictures of the screen. That's great. But all these notes are on you version that you can have free every week. Notice the next slide, please, babe. And that is this. When we fear God, we will. Here's the five things. Are you right? We will obey Him instantly. We will obey Him even if it doesn't make sense. We will obey Him even if it hurts. Sorry, that's my spelling mistake right now. We will obey Him even if we don't see the benefits. And we will obey Him to completion. Can I, can I illustrate this to you just really quickly from God's Word? Anyone remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? God said to Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. And I want you to go and offer him as a sacrifice. You know the very next verse, it says this. Genesis 22, verse 3. <laughs> That's the wrong one, sorry, I didn't give it to you. Genesis 2, 23. 22, verse 3 says this. And early in the next morning... Think about this. God said to him, I want you to offer your son. Now, if that was me, I I think I would be hitting snooze 29 times. Because I ain't ready to do that, God. But the Bible says that Abraham was up early in the morning chopping wood and preparing to sacrifice his son. What does the fear of God do? I obey instantly. 
I obey instantly. And remember this, he's obeying instantly to something that is asking him to sacrifice the greatest promise that he has ever received in his life. 25 years he waited for this child. And God gives him no explanation for the request. What does that tell you? Number two, you've got to obey him even when it doesn't make sense. But God, I, I, I don't understand. I don't. Tell me how much that must have hurt him. Come on now. Tell me how much that must have hurt. Because when they leave the donkeys and, and everything and just the two of them go on, Isaac says to his dad, he says, Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Can you imagine that was like a knife that went through Abram's heart? Because he knew that his son was the sacrifice. But even though it hurt, you know what he says, son? God's going to provide. Come on, I've got to obey him even when I don't see the benefits. I don't see the benefits of this. I don't see you being good in this, God. I don't see how any good is ever going to come out of this. I'm struggling with this. Yet, Abraham climbs up a mountain, ties up his son, pulls out a knife, and he's about to thrust it through the chest of his child. And God calls Abraham, Abraham. My God, he obeyed completely, didn't he? He was inches away, moments away from obedient to God. Genesis 22, verse 12. God cries out and says to him, Do not lay your hand on the child or do anything for him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. By the way, Luke hates this story. Luke is my son, if you don't realize that. He hates this, always has from a kid. He's like, you mean, Dad, God could ask you to like, do that and I'm your son? I mean, he said, don't worry, Luke, we're okay. <laughs> but listen, how did God know that Abram feared him? Because he obeyed him. I mean, God, you couldn't have done it another way. <laughs> you see, every one of us needs a pure heart. Every one of us needs a discerning heart. A godly heart. For what reason? So our judgment will be sound and not clouded. So we will never be misled. One last scripture. Solomon at the end of his life said this. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. He says this is really the whole story. Here is now my final conclusion. He says you've got to fear God and you've got to obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. Because God will judge us for everything we do including every secret thing, whether good or bad. If we desire to see things God's way, we've got to have godly good. We've got to perceive and know wisdom in its highest order, and we must choose to live with the fear of God. Because when you live in the fear of God, you will never regret that decision. So, we started this message with a question. So, is good God? No. 
but God is good. Good is not always God, but God. Wisdom, the way, will always lead you in good. Bow your heads all over this place. Precious Jesus.